Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. If you're online with us, we're glad that you're with us today as well. Um, so the, for the last about 10 weeks, we've been allowing Jesus to um, teach us a new value system, a, a new way of looking at what success is and what it looks like to be blessed in life. Like all of us, if someone uh, says, oh man, life is, I'm just blessed right now, you would have a picture of what that would look like. And Jesus has been uh, walking us through a process of reshaping what we understand to be the blessed life and what we understand to be success. And so he, he showed us like different things like, okay, if, if you want to be blessed, then those who are blessed are actually poor in spirit. In other words, they're dependent entirely on the Lord. They they are people, even when you mourn, you can be blessed through it because you will be comforted. Uh, When when you are uh, pursuing righteousness, hungering and thirsting after it, you are blessed. And so he's walked us through this process of reshaping our values as we follow after him. And and today, he's going to kind of step us into this space of answering the question that many of the first century Jews would have been asking with this rabbi who's coming and teaching them. What do you believe about the law of Moses? What, what do you believe about uh, what they would have understood as the Bible? Um, Maybe, maybe you've asked that question, you've thought that, like, okay, as a Christian, if you follow Jesus, uh, maybe like, what do I do with the Old Testament? What do I do with it? What is the Bible? If someone asks you the question, what is the Bible? Um, maybe some of you, you've, you've answered that before and you've said, okay, uh, the Bible is the instruction manual for life. And, and maybe that's, that's where you've been. Here's the thing though, um, many of you know, and, and if you don't know, I'm about to tell you, so then you would know, I've got four kids. Um, and each time we went to the hospital, um, let me go back to the first one, right? The first time we went to the hospital, is this magical moment, um, for those of you who are parents and God's blessed you that way, like you know what it's like to go into the hospital, it's just you and her, and it's just nice. And then you go in, and then while you're there, this baby comes out, and then your whole life is completely changed, right? And so then time goes on, like maybe you're there for a day or two or a little bit longer, depending on how mom and baby are doing and all the specifics of of the delivery. And and then you get to the point where it's your day to go home, right? And and then you get that little uh, carrier baby car seat thing and and it's an engineering marvel right you get the baby in there and you got like all seven thousand straps you got to try and fit in and make sure that the baby's nice and secure but not completely like you know make sure that they're able to breathe but they're nice and secure right so then you you get, get on your way downstairs to the front door and and the nurse is with you and 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 you pull up the 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 vehicle and you open the door and click you know put the baby in and and then the the nurse says Good luck. And then, and then you get in, right? You get in the vehicle and, and you look at each other and it hits you. It's like, what? We've got a baby in there. They, they didn't give us any kind of instruction manual for this thing, right? Uh, like there's no book like what to expect once they're puking and pooping at the same time. You know, what to expect when uh, you don't sleep ever. Like, what do you what do you do? Right. There's no instruction manual 
for the child, but then you get home and, and the crib, the crib's got an instruction manual, right? Like seven million pieces and you put them all together and then you got the crib and hopefully it stays up, you know, because you built it correctly because you followed the instruction manual. But what I know with being a dad is like, there's no, there's no instruction manual for, for raising a child. There's not like, if this happens, do specifically this. There's plenty of people who try and offer that to you. But, but here's the thing. Instruction manuals come with cribs, come with furniture. They come with like devices and, and tools and, and things like that. Things you got to put together, machines. But, but here's the thing. There is no instruction manual for human beings. Uh, you're not a widget. You're not a device. You're not a tool. Well, you know. That's what people say about me, okay? <laughs> so there's no instruction. So like the idea, okay, what is the Bible? What is the Bible? The Bible is the instruction manual for life. Eh, not really. Not really. It, what, then what is it? Well, is, is it, is it the, the idea of a, a heavenly father giving guidance to his children? Okay, now we're, now we're going somewhere. Um, what is it? What is the, what is the Bible? Is the Bible, uh, the story of, of God, uh, redeeming and renewing all that has gone wrong from the very beginning of creation? And now his story, his true story of him remaking and renewing all things, including you? Okay, amen. Is it the story of God, uh, continuing to pursue his created humanity and coming down throughout the centuries and now come completely fulfilling that in Jesus. And then one day we'll be able to be welcomed into him. Is it the story of God desiring to be with humanity and, and his desire for us to be with him? Yes. Amen. So what is the Bible? Is it the instruction manual for life? Well, Jesus is going to address this question of like, what is the Bible? And specifically, what is the Old Testament? What is the old covenant and what is his, uh, his, his intention and what he's doing as he's starting his ministry? So if you've ever questioned, like wondered, like, okay, what do I do with the Old Testament? What, what do I do with that? You know, it's old. Like, what do we do with that? You know, we like new things around here. Well, no, no. What do we do with it? Jesus is going to show us what his intentions are. And I believe he's going to allow us to see a greater and more beautiful picture of what God's been doing throughout the centuries and what we can participate in as we follow him. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. This is our last week in the Apprenticing Under Jesus series that we've been in. Um, and, and Jesus is going to uh, lay this out for us. So Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 17, is where we're going to be. And this is what Jesus says to us and what he said to them in the first century. Don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Okay, let's go back to verse 17. Just read that again. That's where we're going to start. Uh, verse 17. Don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to, what's that word, church? But to fulfill. Let's do it again. But to 
fulfill. He came not to abolish it, but to fulfill it. So, so Jesus is saying, hey, um, what I'm about to say, so Jesus is about to, he's kind of giving a, a, a prerequisite or kind of an introduction to what he's about to do in this next part of his sermon, which we're going to be getting into the rest of Matthew 5 in 2023. That's what next year is, right? 2023. We're going to be digging into that next year. But he's laying the groundwork for us, and he's doing what a good teacher does. He, he addresses the objections or the questions before they are raised. So he's addressing those things. So he's about to start to say, you've heard it said, do this, but I say to you this. And, and he's going to start to show us specific instances of him applying what he's saying here in this passage. Okay, what am I calling you to do? What, what am I calling you to do? Um, he's saying that what I'm saying, what I'm intending to do is not to dismiss or abolish what has been done before, the law and the prophets. But I am coming to do something different to fulfill it. So make sure you hear what I'm saying through that lens as he starts to show us what uh, it looks like to have better relationships and, and to live in a way with other people, relating to other people in a way that honors God. Um, so that's what he's going to get to, but he's addressing this, um, this idea that even in Christian circles today, it, it exists. And um, it basically goes like this. It, when, because Jesus came and, and he's ushered in a new covenant, that means the old covenant and the Old Testament is completely irrelevant. That, that, we, that Jesus came and, and he completely did away with, he abolished the Old Testament. So when it comes to you following Jesus, you don't need to worry about reading the Old Testament because it's completely irrelevant. And what Jesus is saying is that that's not the case. What he's saying is that, no, I didn't come to do away with that. I came to fulfill everything that has been coming before. Um, and so, so Jesus is, is giving us this picture and this understanding of what he's intending to do in light of what has been done beforehand that God's been doing over the centuries. Uh, it's kind of like this. Like I Recently, uh, Sarah and I, we were able to go to the streetlight take and bake. Anybody heard of this? It's in Bluffton. It's kind of like you order a, a meal and they prepare it for you and, and you take it home and you put it in the oven and you, you eat it, right? So I was, I was told that uh, someone, uh, Kristen Gillette, hello, uh, nominated me for Pastor Appreciation Month uh, last month. Uh, and as a part of that, they like, you know, take those names and they, I don't know, draw it out of a hat or something. And whoever is chosen gets to have a gift card to the streetlight take and bake. So she told me that, and I was like, cool. Like, I love free food. Amen. Like, right? Uh, so uh, we ordered the chicken cordon bleu. It was very good. Um, and went there, so I drove up, uh, walked in, and said, hey, you know, I'm here for my order. My name is Brandon Kelly. Uh, and they said, okay, cool, yeah. So you had the chicken, cool, yep, yep, yep. Um, and, um, of course, I got the eight serving size because I got six people at home. So, you know, you just got to gotta account for that. Um, and so they are getting it ready, and they said, okay, it's going to be $27. And I said, uh, well, cool. That's great. I, I was told I have got a gift card, right? I was, uh, yeah, someone, someone, uh, I, I was able to win that for Pastor Appreciation Month, you know? So they checked the, their, their records and was like, oh yeah, okay, here it is. And so like I was able to get this meal, uh, given to me and I didn't pay for it. I took it home and you better believe that day, uh, we took advantage of not having to cook. Um, so we put that in the oven and we ate it and it was good. And, uh, that, that's kind of like what Jesus is, is doing for us 
here, right? He, he is uh, allowing us to walk into uh, the, the space that we need. So he says in the last verse, he says that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. What, what Jesus has done is he's allowed us to receive his righteousness of which we did not earn, of which we did not achieve, of which that we did not pay for, and he allows us to have that. And so he gives that to us for us. And so that is what Jesus does. So when it comes to, can we enter in the kingdom of heaven? The only way we can enter the kingdom of heaven is through Jesus, is through Jesus. Um, recently also, uh, Sarah and I, you probably don't know this, but we started doing some eBay selling. Uh, this was a little while ago. So we decided, you know what, we can go to these garage sales and, uh, you know, you can buy some stuff for cheap and then sell it on eBay and make a little bit extra spending money, you know, because kids got preschool and that stuff's not cheap. Um, so we started doing that. And um, as, as we were going, uh, I, I started to target some certain things, some like coffee mugs. Everyone likes some coffee mugs um, and, and some NASCAR T-shirts. Because you better believe people who love NASCAR love NASCAR. Um, so we got some, some different items from the garage sale, bought it for cheap, like a, a you know, a NASCAR t-shirt for like a quarter and turned around and sold it for like 15 bucks. Amen. That's a good profit margin, right? Um, so we, you know, the, the process, right? You take pictures of it, you put the description in and you price it. And so, you know, eBay is not just auctions anymore. You can like set a price and people can like, you know, barter with you if you set that up. Um, and so like the, the process would be someone finds something they want. They purchase it, and then you've got a few days to, you know, pack it up and ship it to them and fulfill the order, right? So this abolish versus fulfill. Jesus came to fulfill the law. What does that mean? Um, well, okay, so after a while, we kind of found that, like, ah, it's not really our cup of tea. I kept making mistakes. I kept, I kept miscalculating the shipping costs for this, these items, Right. One of the first few things that we sold was like these um, really old sewing machines. They're really like really like just the sewing machine part, not the whole, you know, furniture that goes with it. But they were heavy, like 50, 50 pounds or something. So like I, I plug in eBay has this thing where you can like plug in the, the size of the thing, the, the you know, dimensions, the weight and all that stuff. So I do. And um, every time, every time I did that, I did it wrong. So, like, we might have sold it for 50 bucks, cost $20 to ship, uh, or cost four, uh, $50 to ship, and I, I only charged $20 to ship it. So every time I was losing money. It was just so frustrating. Um, and so I got to the, like, you know, shipping, you know, you, gotta, you need a box for a sewing machine. You need a big box. Um, I was, like, somehow calculating the cost to put that big old sewing machine in these little envelope shipping things. How is that even possible? Like, why would he even get that, give me that option? I'm just not that bright. So I got frustrated with it, and we ended up, you know, selling some stuff and then, and then losing money, and then we sold stuff at a garage sale. We're like, let's just be done with it. So I sold one of these uh, Dale Earnhardt T-shirts at a garage sale. It was a good T-shirt, right? And if you're a Dale Earnhardt fan, you know you like some T-shirts. Um, and so we sold that at the garage sale. Problem was, I never took the item out of the eBay store. So it was just sitting there. Well, after time goes on, someone finds that nice Dale Earnhardt t-shirt and they want to buy it. So they bought it. And then I'm like, oh no, I completely forgot about that. So I had to contact them. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, I am so sorry. I don't even have it. I'm refunding you the money 
sorry. You know, like I had to abolish the order. I had to cancel it and refund it. Jesus is saying that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So Jesus didn't have to abolish to cancel and refund the order. What Jesus is doing is he completely fulfilled it. He calculated the shipping cost correctly, packaged it up, fulfilled it, delivered it, and it shipped right to the door and it was fulfilled. That order was fulfilled. So Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So he didn't dismiss it or discount it or completely make it irrelevant, but Jesus came to fulfill the law, to actually deliver on what was promised. Here's the thing. Jesus came to fulfill all of the law and the prophets. So when it comes to, if you, if you understand uh, the Bible to, to a certain degree, in the Old Testament, there were uh, the law of Moses. God gave him the Ten Commandments and then a bunch of other laws. There were ceremonial laws that, that would be like where the sacrifices come in. Jesus fulfilled the ceremonial laws because he is the ultimate sacrificial uh, sacrifice that would account for all of their sins. Jesus fulfilled that. Jesus fulfilled the Ten Commandments, all of the moral laws of of Moses. He fulfilled all those because he lived them out. Jesus was also the fulfillment of all the messianic prophecies that all of the Old Testament prophets gave. Jesus changes the way we read the Old Testament. Uh, so so if, you, if you've ever had a struggle with reading the Old Testament, which who of us haven't, right? You might have started the Bible reading plan January 1 this year, and you got like three books in, hit Leviticus and all that, and you're like, whoa, like pump the brakes. Let me go back to my verse of the week, you know, verse of the day. Um, what do we do with the Old Testament? Jesus changes how we read the Old Testament. Here's the thing. Let me Bible read or Bible nerd out a little bit. And some of you may get some of these references, but, but this is what Jesus is saying. He, he came to fulfill all that has come before him. He, Jesus, is the offspring of Abraham God told us about in Genesis. Jesus is the better Moses who, had, who has led his people out of slavery to sin and is taking us to the eternal promised land. Jesus is the tabernacle of God from Exodus who later put on flesh to dwell among us. Jesus is the ultimate Passover lamb who, who later, who, who, who points us to the one whose blood protects us. Jesus is the one Isaiah told us would be born of a virgin. Jesus is the one Jeremiah told us would establish a new covenant. Jesus is the ultimate high priest that the book of Leviticus points us to. Jesus is the one Micah told us would be born in Bethlehem. Jesus is the ultimate atoning sacrifice that the law of Moses pointed us to. Jesus is the promised king over the kingdom that will never be destroyed that Daniel told us about. Jesus is the priest after the order of Melchizedek that the Psalms tell us about. Jesus is the one who would be betrayed that Zechariah told us about. Jesus is the one that the Psalms told us would be falsely accused, who would be hated without cause, who would be betrayed, mocked and ridiculed, who would be pierced in his hands and feet, who would resurrect from the dead, who would ascend to heaven, who would be seated at God's right hand. Jesus is the suffering servant in the book of Isaiah. He's the one who would be bloodied and beaten and would use his wounds to heal us. Jesus is the son of man Daniel told us about who would be served by those of every people, nation, and language who would have a kingdom that will never end. It's all been pointing to Jesus from Genesis all the way up to Malachi and then all throughout the New Testament. It's all been pointing to Jesus. 
there was a, a, an Ethiopian eunuch on his way from Jerusalem down back to his homeland in Ethiopia. And as he's uh, riding along, he's reading from the scroll of Isaiah, who, who lived, by the way, 600 years before Jesus showed up on the scenes of history. And Philip shows up um, by the Holy Spirit, places him there, and says, Hey, man, uh, that's probably how he said, Hey, 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 dude, uh, do you know what you're reading? And, and the guy's like, How can I have any idea what I'm reading? I'm reading the book of Isaiah, and I ain't got no clue. So who can teach me? Can you? And Philip goes up and, and, and shows this Ethiopian eunuch from the scroll of Isaiah how Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that it talks about. And, and we know that because as they go on, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch stops his, his, uh, his, his, what's it, like entourage and says, Hey, what's keeping me from being baptized right now? There's some water right there. So from the scroll of Isaiah, Philip shows this Ethiopian eunuch that Jesus is the reason for all of these writings. He's the fulfillment of all of these promises. And that, that Ethiopian eunuch goes down to the waters of baptism and experiences new life. Simply because he was reading from the scroll of Isaiah. That's in the Old Testament. And, and because, it's the reason, is because it's all about him. Let's read this again. Matthew five seventeen through 20. Jesus says this, Don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Verses 18 and 19. Let's look at this again. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So so what does this mean then? Jesus is saying, hey, me coming is not taking away anything of what's come before. Like the, the, the law that God gave you, that's I'm not taking that away. I'm fulfilling it. So what does this mean for us? What do we do if you if you follow Jesus? What do you do with the Old Testament? What do you what do you do with it? How do you like because the the early church had all kinds of debates. Like okay, there's a Gentile um, who wasn't circumcised. Do they need to go be circumcised because that's what the Jews did? And they had debate on that, and they determined no, that that is not what you need to do. Okay, what about what about the the the, the rules around what you eat? Like it has to be kosher. Like, am I allowed to have bacon? Jesus, please. Can I eat the bacon, right? And they're like, yeah, you can eat the bacon. It's all good. And so they're like, okay, what, how does this apply? So there's a lot of more nuance in this than I have the ability and time to like get into because that would just be weeks upon weeks of trying to untangle all of the Old Testament things and how that applies. But here's the, the greatest uh, and, and most helpful filter to have. Okay, what does it look like to, to do what the law says in light of what Jesus has done? It looks like this. It looks like following the one who fulfilled all of it. It looks like listening to him and what 
he says about it. And he's going to start to, in, in the rest of this Matthew chapter 5, he's going to start to give us instances of like, hey, you've heard it said this way and this is what I'm saying because he's going to do what a good teacher does and pull back the curtain and help us to see the heart of what God has given to us in the law. And so, yes, he came to establish a new covenant, but here's what we need to know. He, he was asked, hey, what, what's the greatest command in all of the law and prophets? Like, what's the greatest one? And he answered it. He said this, here's the greatest. I'm going to give you a two-part answer. The first one, here's, here's the greatest, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Like all of the law and the prophets hinge on that. And the second one is like it, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. To love your neighbor. And by the way, your neighbor is anyone and everyone other than you. To love yourself and to love people in the way that you love yourself. In the light of what God has done for you. So like at the end of the day, that's what he's calling us to. All of the other things are just specifics. Of okay, what does it look like in, in this scenario? When, when we, okay God, like what, what about this thing? And he's like a loving father giving us guidance through life. So what does it look like to honor God in what he's been doing? It, it looks like to follow Jesus and to be obedient to what he is saying. So, But then he says this in verse 20, which should give us pause, and I've already alluded to it. Verse 20, For I tell you, un- unless, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. You know, this is a problem. This verse is a problem, because if, if you understand, like, just contextually, what it was like for a first century Jew and their ability to be righteous, to do what God says, to do it in the right way, um, when they looked at the scribes and the Pharisees, people of faith, they would have looked at them as like, wow, like they are so close to God. They are so righteous, so far and above any kind of level of righteousness I can accomplish. Like their job description, like they, what they did was follow the law. Like that's what they did all day, every day. So the question is like, okay, on what basis then can you and I imagine being more righteous than the scribes and the Pharisees? Jesus said, hey, be holy as I am holy. That's what God tells us. Jesus said, be, heaven, be, be perfect like your heavenly father because he's perfect. Be perfect. I, I don't know about you, but I messed that up a long time ago. You, what about you? Yeah. So, like, I, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. But, but here's what Jesus offers us, and we've been talking about this a number of times throughout this series, that, that there is righteousness that, that God gives us through Jesus. Like, Jesus imputes his righteousness to us, which means he credited, credits it to our account. It's the same way. When I went and picked up that order for the food, um, he credits it to our account. So I, I went in, I didn't achieve it, I didn't earn it, I didn't pay for it, somebody else paid for it for me, I got to take it freely. Just in that same way, Jesus accomplished righteousness because he fulfilled the law and prophets, he was perfect, he kept it all perfectly, and he's made a way for each one of us to receive that from him. So that, so that when you and I go before the throne room of God, when all of us, like, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not, all of us are going to sit before the judgment seat of God. 
at the, at the end of our days, when we, when we die and we, we go before the throne, uh, we're going we're gonna to have to be confronted by our own actions. And he's going to keep account of what we've done. Each one of us. All the, all the hidden things are going to come to light. All the stuff we've tried to hide are going to come to light. All the things that everyone else knows about, he's going he's gonna to point it out. And, and the question like that all of us have to wrestle with is like, on what basis are you going to be let into the kingdom of heaven? Like, none of us would be like, you know what, if there's a heaven, I want to be there. Like, none of us would be like, I don't want to go. No. Have you actually understood it? So, like, on what basis are you going to be able to go? Because unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you got no shot, is what he's saying. So the only shot we've got is if Jesus' righteousness is credited to our account. If, if he allows us to enjoy the fruit of his labor. And so the only way that you and I are going to be able to go into the kingdom of heaven is if our answer to the question, why would we be able to be let in, is the only way is if our answer is, I'm with him. I'm with Jesus. It's the Sunday school answer and it's right. Jesus is the reason I can go. Because if we understand that he died for our sins, he lived a perfect life and died for our sins, and then rose to life and defeated sin and death so that death no longer has a sting, and that we can live eternal life with him, if we believe that, if we trust that he is the one who is able to accomplish it, then we've got confidence coming before the throne of God. In humility, knowing that we don't deserve it. But we get to go in because I'm with him. So, so that's what Jesus does when you surrender to him. He credits his righteousness, his living the right way, his honoring God to your account. So your account is good. You're not in debt because of your sin anymore because Jesus paid the price. But it's not only that that Jesus does. Jesus also sends us a helper, a comforter, a counselor, the spirit of God. So when you surrender to Jesus... Uh, This is an amazing thing. Um, God does not just leave us and say, like the nurse did with me and Sarah, good luck. No, no. He says, hey, I'm going to send someone to you. He sends his own spirit to us to indwell us. And then this is what God does in our lives. He reshapes our desires. He reshapes our values. He reshapes, uh, he helps us re- reframe our experiences and our past and to be able to look at them through a filter of the goodness of God. And he starts to change how we are and changes like our, our demeanor and our attitude and helps us be less, less rigid and, and bitter and more loving and more gracious He starts to change us so that little by little, as we go on following after Jesus, we become more righteous as we go. The you today, at this point in your life, whatever point you're at in your walk with God, it should, you should be looking more like Jesus than you were 10 years ago, five years ago, one year ago, five minutes ago, because the Holy Spirit is working in you. And so, so we can walk with Jesus and follow Jesus in confidence that not because of our own good works, not because we figured it out, but because he figured it out, our righteousness far exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees. And because his righteousness far exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees, if we surrender to him, our righteousness far exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees.
So, so why would you get into heaven if it's because you think you're a good person? Sorry, that's not, that's not, gonna, that's not the case. Because you're not, and I'm not. Doesn't matter how much money you give to charity, how much money you give to the church. Doesn't matter how many good things you've done. We've all sinned before a holy God. And none of us deserve anything other than hell. And that's why it's such a good thing. So that's why it's such a beautiful promise and a beautiful gift that God has given us in himself. Not even stopping at death to rescue us. Friends, this is why I want you to know as we, as, as we look at this passage... Jesus is the one in whom all the scriptures and creation point. Jesus is the one in whom all creation and scriptures point. He, it's, it's all about him. It's all about Jesus. If you read the scriptures, uh, you need to understand from the Old Testament, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. It's about him desiring to be with you and him making a way for you to be with him. It's a beautiful thing. It's all about Jesus. He's the reason why we search and yearn for what we seem to be not having yet. Like, he, it's the, he's the reason why when you go through something bad in your life, when, when you go through something that's, that's hard and difficult and frustrating and you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy, there's a reason. He's the reason why you long for the transcendent in times of difficulty. When you start to ask the question, why? The only reason you would ask the question, why, is if you knew that there was someone who could change things. Why? He's the reason why when you are dealing with struggles and, and frustration and difficulty, it's why you yearn for someone to fix what you know is broken, was never meant to be broken. He's the reason why we yearn for something better. Why would you yearn for something you've never experienced? If all, if all that, if, if this is all that there is, if this earth is all that there is, and we're just, we're just cells just walking around and one day we'll all be done and then cease to exist. Why do we yearn for beauty? Why do we yearn for love? Why do we yearn for the transcendent if none of us have ever seen it or experienced it? We yearn for that because God created us with eternity in our hearts. And we know that he's better. We know that he's good. And it's why we desire for him to remake and renew all things that have been broken. So he came to us to rescue us. So here's, here's what I encourage you to do, church. Let him pick you up. Let him pick you up. I know you've been fighting and striving and struggling to get through the day, to get through the week, to be able to fight and overcome. Let him pick you up. Let him pick you up out of your despair. Some of us, we've been sad for so long. We, we've gone past sadness and we've gone to despair. We don't see any hope. All we see is darkness. All we see is frustration. Let him pick you up out of it. He's, he's, he's given you himself as your hope. He'll change things. Let him, let him pick you up. He'll do it. Let him pick you up out of your worry. Some of us, we are so racked with worry right now because we see what's happening around us. 
and we, and we start to make stories about what's going to happen in front of us in the future. We can't help but make stories. And so like, then we start worrying about, okay, what, if this is going to happen, if this is going to happen, if that's going to happen. Oh my goodness. Like what is, what's going to happen? And we were, many of us were, were worried right now, but, but remember what he's done in the past. He's been faithful all the way up until this point. And you sitting in this room right now, maybe he's gotten you here. Has he not gotten you through each day that's come before? Has he not gotten you? Has he not been with you right up until this point? Maybe he's got you here right now because he wants you to receive something that you have not received. To receive hope. To To receive grace and mercy. To receive a hope that goes beyond anything that happens in our country, in anybody else's country, or anything at all on this earth. It goes beyond this, and it's also even better than that because he allows you to experience joy and love and peace even now in the midst of it. So let him pick you up out of your worry. Let let him pick you up out of your sin. So those who are struggling and fighting, like we, we so deeply resonate with what Paul said. Like, hey, I want to do like good things, but what I want to do, I don't ever do it. But what I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. Like some of us re- resonate with that to the depths of our soul. The apostle Paul even said it. He said, who can save me from this, uh, from this wretched sinfulness I am in? I am the worst sinner of all is what he said. Who can save me? What is my hope. And he says, ha, thanks be to God. Jesus Christ, my Lord, my King, my Savior, he's the one who can rescue me from my own demise. So if you've been struggling with sin, if you, like, I, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried to fight and I'm getting tired. Let him pick you up. Let him pick you up. It, it may not be easy following after him and learning new habits and new things. But he's going to walk with you through it. He's going to teach you new things. Just just trust him. Let him pick you up out of it. See, Jesus invites all of us, no matter what your story is, no matter what your past has been, no matter how much despair, no matter how much worry, no matter how much sin has been in your past or is in your present, he invites you and I to follow him. He welcomes you. He welcomes you to the party. He's he's invited you to surrender to him as your Lord and as your Savior because he loves you. All All of what God has been doing from Genesis, from the moment that Adam and Eve disobeyed God and decided to, to, to not take his advice and, and to, to disobey him ever, ever since sin entered in, the story that God has been writing has been a story that finds its climax and resolution in King Jesus. And it's the same story he's been writing in your life. The resolution of your life, the big moment of your life is found in Jesus. He's the reason you were created. You were created to be with him, to commune with him, to love him and to be loved by him. It's all about him, y'all. It's all about him in all of the scriptures, in every word, and in your life, in every moment. It's all about him. So maybe you've surrendered to Jesus already. Maybe you haven't. If you haven't, 
then let me just encourage you, like maybe God's doing something in your heart. Like maybe, maybe you feel a certain way that maybe you haven't felt in a certain way before. Like maybe he's drawing you and wooing you to himself. The way you respond to him is to repent. Say, God, I, I know I've been following that way. I want to follow your way. I want to follow you and I want to draw near to you. So you, you respond in faith and repentance. And you, you surrender to him in baptism where you go down into the water as your old self. And when you ri- rise up in the, from that, you rise into new life, a new you, a new path. But for some of you, you already have surrendered to Jesus and you've just been finding yourself still going down paths that you know wouldn't be best for you. I, I just encourage you in this moment as I pray, just spend some time with him. Ask him to restore your joy, your peace, and he will. But you got to trust him in it. So let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you did not leave us alone to ourselves in our despair and in our worry and in our sin. But God, I, a lot of us, I, I'm sure all of us, a lot of, we're like amazed and confused as to why you would care so deeply for us. But God, it's so amazing. The, the same care that you took to knit us together in our mother's womb is, is the same kind of level of care you give to us as we walk through life and you, you, you draw us closer to you and you teach us new things. But God, a lot of us, we've gotten so, so distracted so busy. Maybe some of us, we've, we've been walking through life not knowing that you're there, not being shown your grace and mercy. God, I pray that you would make yourself known to us, that you would lead us to surrender to you time and time again. God, in a, in a, in a world like this where it's so filled with, with all kinds of ups and downs, God, please help us to find our stability in you. Jesus, you are our King and our our Savior. And we're so grateful that you went all the way to the cross to welcome us in, to pull us up out of our sin, to pull us out of our worry, to pull us out of our despair. We were the ones drowning and you brought us up. You rescued us and we're so forever grateful. Please hear us as we sing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.